Colin. Morning, Josh, and good morning, faithful listeners. Welcome to uh, the next edition of the uh, Bare Naked Money podcast. We're going to have a chat today about something that's very topical, and you may be surprised to find out that we're not going to entirely poo-poo it. So stay tuned to find out exactly what our opinion is. It's going to take a while to unfold. It'll be an exciting journey. We're going to talk about ESG investing. ESG is the most recent iteration of the TLAs, or three-letter acronyms, that have lived in this space for a bit. So Josh, maybe you could help our viewers and listeners with a little bit of a, uh, a tutorial, if you will, on what some of the various terms are that get thrown around in this space and uh, what, what they might mean. Yeah, I just wanted to, to set the stage a little bit because I know it's it's like a lot of things finance, it can be pretty confusing. And there's, there's as you said, a lot of different acronyms out there that have been used to define this ESG space, like you, you introduced right at the outset, ESG. So generally speaking, what we're talking about today is, is a variety of different types of responsible or socially focused investments. So ESG has been, I guess, sort of the, the most prominent acronym that's used to describe this, and ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. So these are kind of the, the focus areas of any type of investment that's branded ESG or, or so they say. You also see, see things like SRI, socially responsible investing, responsible investing, carbon free, CO2 free or low CO2, carbon neutral, green. Everything that you can possibly think of has been used to describe these types of investments. So it, it is very wide ranging. Uh, encompasses a, a variety of, of different areas of being socially responsible, uh, I guess you could say. So the question I'm going to throw to you right off the bat, Colin, is why is it just now that we are taking our first foray into this space? Because quite frankly, ESG and, and ethically focused investments have been around for at least a couple of years now, more than that if you really go digging. Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I would debate the uh, recently decided. Uh, we've been foraying, if that's a word, in this space for as long as it's existed because, well, we're naturally curious. Um, but the challenge is whenever something like this gets trotted out is, you know, we have to decide, is it real or is this just marketing? You know, because, again, the, the whole idea of, of investing to make the planet a better place is very appealing to many people. And when something's appealing to many people, then there'll be somebody who'll find a way to sell them something. So, you know, it, it, we, we were looking for and waiting for something to come along that actually had some meat on the bones. Back in the early days of green investing, I was sitting in a presentation and I'm the kind of person that actually looked through the portfolio of the, the presenter. And I noticed that there was a coal mining company on the list of the green investments. So which at the end, or when the questions came up, I stuck my hand up and said, um, I'm just curious, why is there a coal mining company in the green fund? And he said, oh, well, that's the cleanest of the coal mining companies. Didn't like the answer. And I further didn't think that clients who were thought they were investing in a green investment would like that answer. So that was where we were early on. And we also, I was at presentations where somebody was talking about wonderful new green technologies, emerging technologies, fantastic things that were going to potentially change the direction that the planet rotated. Like they were just amazing things with zero track record. Like there was, there was, there was no actual business there yet. It was a fantastic story, an exciting story. Disney could have made a movie about it. I wanted to be part of it, but I couldn't call it an investment. 
that just wasn't there yet. So the experience we've had, all of us of going through the woods and trying to find these things, because again, we're all curious, we've all been watching, we've been waiting for the moment where we could put our arms around it and go, this is really an option that is a real investment and pays homage to this very worthwhile cause of investing with a higher purpose. And it's only been recently that we felt that it's matured enough that there's enough of a, an option out there for people, that is it's matured to a point where we could actually put our stamp on it and call it investing. So Josh, maybe you could give us a couple of comments on how we were screening and where that ended up with regards to how a portfolio was constructed. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely happy to do that. Colin, I wanna follow up on one thing though before I get to that, because you always talk about business models of companies that are putting out investment products or financial companies. So talk about the business model of asset management companies and why they have been pushing this type of thing for a long time, maybe uh, not so in line with how we, we really look at the space. Well, again, if there's enough of a demand for something, somebody's going to create the product. You know, if, if you're if we're reading in the newspaper every day about gold or about silver or about Bitcoin, whatever the hottest topic is, there is a manufacturer somewhere who goes, "Ooh, people are talking about this. I have to build one. And they will throw it into the marketplace just trying to satisfy you know, what they perceive as a demand without necessarily, in my opinion, taking the additional step of making sure that it's a sustainable offering, like it's really going to be a positive outcome for clients. The industry often will say, this has been a very successful product. And I challenge them to say, what do you mean? It's, it's returned good money to the clients. Oh, no, we've attracted a billion dollars in the last six months. That's one definition of success, and I guess that might be the prevailing definition of success. But if you actually want to have something that you're happy looking at a year later, that's a different metric and way of looking at success. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Bitcoin there. So there was a Canadian <coughs> asset management company that launched a Bitcoin uh, fund, I guess we'll call it, a few weeks ago. Great success. Well, by their definition, like you said, collecting assets, great success for them. Three weeks later, they have an Ethereum ETF out. So any track record, any long-term success with this product? No. But to their, uh, to their definition of it, great success because they were able to attract a lot of assets, and that's how they get paid. Oh, absolutely. And that's what makes the world go around. So, you know, we were, I am very proud, and I think we all should be very proud that we've actually dug into this space and we've actually come up with what we think is actually legitimately could be labeled a real investment while still accomplishing some of these goals that any human being would say, yeah, these are good goals and things we should chase. So again, back to you, Josh, run us through it. Tell us, tell us how we found them, what we found and what it looks like. Yeah. So it was a pretty extensive process. Like you were saying, we've been looking at the space for years and kind of reluctant, not finding enough that, that we really thought uh, fit what we were looking for. And so just to take a step back, when, when we're looking for any type of investment for our clients, and especially in this regard, when we're focusing off on ethical investing, we are really looking to accomplish two things. The first thing is we absolutely positively need to be able to deliver good financial results. We're financial advisors, we're financial people. If we're not delivering good financial results for you, what are we doing? The second part, especially as I said, relates to uh, ethical investing is we need to make sure that it's meeting your values. And uh, as you've alluded to, 
the early products or a lot of the products that are out there, they were missing on one of these accounts, either not delivering what we thought were going to be good financial results in the future, or two, they were branding themselves as, you know, I'm ethical, I'm social, but I have this coal mining company in my portfolio, so I'm not really doing what I'm saying. Or the worst thing is some of these products were doing both of these things poorly. They were not delivering on the financial side and not delivering on the ethical investing side. So that's sort of our view when we're looking for the space, when we're, we're, we're starting, we're getting started. What we did and what we've been doing over the past couple of years is we always start with sort of a screen or uh, let's call it a wide net to capture everything that's out there in the industry that fits uh, in some way, shape or form what we're looking for. So we have some software that very easily these days allows us to filter the list of all of the investments out there into something that is focused specifically on whether it's ESG or ethical investing or low car, all of these monikers that I, that I introduced at the outset. So it drills down that list pretty quickly for us. Now, as we've been talking about, companies love offering products in a, a sort of hot space. So there's a ton of stuff out there that we can look at investing uh, in this, uh, this ESG space. So our next step is kind of, okay, well, let's just look at things a little bit qualitatively. Which of these companies, which of these investment products has a decent track record? And one of the things that's challenging for us today is not a lot of these products have a long-term track record. So then we're looking to, okay, which type of management companies have a longer track record? Who's really been in this space for a while, for many years? Which companies can we rely on to deliver a good product to us? <clears throat> so that narrows down our, our list pretty quickly uh, once we do that, because as I said, a lot of this stuff is sort of flash in the pan, brand new, and we're just not going to look at that type of thing. Then we get to do the fun stuff. We get to really, really dig into, into what's there. And we dig and we dig and we dig until we have uncovered all of the, the answers to our questions. So that will usually start with a uh, one, looking into detail at the product. What's the philosophy? What's the strategy in terms of the investment? Let's look at the actual holdings that are there because that coal mining company, if we see it in the top 10 holdings, well, we know we're going to punt that, that product, that potential investment pretty quickly. So this is one area where you can really look at the, the individual holdings that are a part of that investment, individual companies that make up that fund and decide, yes, this kind of sort of fits with where we think we should be going or, or no, this is completely off base. And then we'll meet with the company or the manager that is actually looking after this investment. And that's where we do the most fun work because we get to ask them all kinds of questions and really explore our curiosity to try to figure out, okay, what's, what's your team look like? How, what is your experience? And how are you actually going through this, this due diligence process on an ongoing basis to make sure that the companies you are investing in are indeed ethical like you say they are, like they say they are? Because we can buy a company today that's you know the best thing since sliced bread, is acting ethically and all that, and two years from now, you know they're they're not so ethical anymore. You've got to keep a, a close uh, eye, close tabs on the companies that you're investing in. So we're again looking to understand exactly what process all of these managers are going through uh, to to try to identify those those ethical companies.
So then when you take the next step, I mean, you know, we, we work towards building portfolios. So we need to find ethical investings by our standards in different uh, geographies and in different industries and, you know, get things as diversified as we can. Now, there's going to be certain industries that we, we have to, are going to be naturally either underweight or completely excluded because it's very difficult by any definition to call, you know, the petrochemical industry or the mining industry environmental you know so there are going to be sectors of the economy that are going to be either not included or underweighted uh, so josh can you maybe give us a comment as, as to what what the final diversification was that we were able to approach and maybe where the deficits would be compared to uh what our you know, our regular portfolios would look like yeah so you, you kind of highlighted the key points there colin you're you're naturally going to exclude certain types of industries or certain types of businesses when you go through this type of approach. So again, going back to sort of our process and our screening and our decision-making and all that, what we don't want to end up with is a portfolio that's filled with a hundred wind farms because you're not, you're not very diversified at that point. If, if the wind stops blowing, well, your portfolio is not going to do too well. So we do need to still have some semblance of diversification, even though we know we're going to be excluding certain businesses or certain industries. Uh, the easy one right off the bat is you're either going to be significantly underweight or have no exposure to the energy industry. And most people that are looking for an environmentally friendly portfolio would say, I, you know, I'm perfectly uh, comfortable with that. I'm, I'm very fine with not having any exposure there. And that can be uh, a more up and down industry anyway. So to say that that part's excluded from the portfolio is not necessarily a bad thing. You'll also exclude certain mining companies right off the bat. You know, if you have if you're operating an open pit mine, well, chances are it's not very environmentally friendly. So, so there you're losing some diversification. What well, we all go ahead. Sorry, Josh. Just wanted to interject there for a second. One of the challenges we run into with with that is that you, know, you have supply companies that maybe they build pumps, and eighty percent of their business is medical. And 20% of it is is institutional or industrial, of which some of it's mining. Now there are some indexes, and there's some, there's some analysts that would classify that as a, a, a petrochemical company because they supply pumps into the petrochemical industry. But it may be a tiny fraction of what they do. So yeah, it, it, or it could be a slam dunk. Somebody operating an open pit mine, yeah, that doesn't make it. When you start getting a little further out from that, then it gets a little fuzzier, and that's where we look to find the managers that are are exercising a degree of, of, of effort uh, on, on making sure they're making these calls in a way that you know, actually stays true to the cause. So, you know, we'll use some examples that are very one side or the other, but then it gets really, really gray, really, really quick. And that's always been the challenge in the space is those gray areas. Yeah. And not only gray areas, but different people have different definitions of what's ethical, right? So that there is subject, some subjectivity to the space, which makes it very, very difficult. So when we're looking to, to accomplish something here, what we're looking to do is, you know, in broad strokes, we're looking to, to properly define uh, what is ethical in most people's minds. It's not going to be perfect for everybody. You know, as, as we say, we're, we're here to be transparent. We're not delivering a perfect solution that's going to perfectly satisfy every individual that's out there but that's probably a losing cause for us anyway if we were if we were trying to do that but another great example you, you, you talk about sort of the compromises there 
And when we were going through this due diligence process, uh, they brought up mining companies that are, are looking for like your rare earth man minerals and your uh, lithium, for example, right? Lithium is a key component in batteries and, uh, and to some extent, solar power, solar panels as well. You have silver as well that are in a lot of electronics and components like that. So you need some mining because if you don't have any mining, well, you can't put a battery together. You can't put a solar panel together. So there needs to be some compromise and some wiggle room there. And what we've done is, again, we the, the managers that we have in place are looking at all these things with the company and assessing all these things on what we think is a, is a reasonable basis. And they're able to actually move the needle in, in a progressive or a positive way. One of the, the investments that we've selected that, that sort of made our, our top list, one of the things that they've been able to hang their hat on is they were able to convince a couple Canadian banks that they should no longer be financing oil exploration projects in the Arctic, the Canadian Arctic. So we are seeing, again, again it's not a perfect portfolio today, but we're seeing progressive uh, improvements in, in what, we're, what we're investing in and continue to push for, for improvements and, and uh, moving towards a, a more sustainable future. Well, I was at a conference, Jane Fonda actually spoke at a couple of years ago, and she was very adamant in Canada that nobody should have any money with any Canadian banks because they all finance Canadian mining and you know, petrochemicals. So, you know, we should not use Canadian banks at all, which, you know, one could argue is an extreme view. But the other point you make, Josh, which is a very good point, is that the whole world is gradually moving in the direction of being more environmentally friendly. It's not just in this specialized space that you see this. All companies are being evaluated now, and when we evaluate individual companies in the broader market, you know, their carbon footprint's a thing. Their, their record on human rights is a thing. Their record on environmental you know, sensitivity is a thing because there's a real financial downside to being offside any of those things. So the whole planet is moving in a better direction. You know, the space that we're focusing on here is the part that's really trying to move that change maybe a little bit quicker and the companies that are a little bit further ahead with it. And, you know, and putting money with, with managers who are going to do some of the activist activities that you're talking about and keep, and keep this topic alive and kicking. Yeah. So we talked about some of the challenges with diversification of a portfolio, but you do have some cons, I guess, or some downsides to running with a portfolio that is, is focused on ethical investing. So why don't you highlight some of those those key areas for us where you think maybe we're detracting a little bit from where a conventional portfolio would be? Oh, sure. Uh, thanks, Josh. For, so when, when you're taking a look at, you know, the broad market, you know, that's you know, based on capitalism and pursuit of profit and, you know, capital being attracted to the best opportunities, there, there are constraints within that game. But, you know, there are a very broad set of constraints and, you know, everybody plays to win the game within those constraints. By adding another constraint, you are taking some options off the table. Now, as to how material that is, is going to depend on a number of factors. It's going to depend on, you know, the current environment. Now, there are times when the, the ESG portfolios will do better than the overall market. And there are times when the ESG portfolios will not do as well as the overall market. And by removing some options from the data set, if you will, you are going to potentially experience more volatility because we strongly believe in diversification by asset class, 
by geography, by style. You know, we really feel very, very strongly that the best investment portfolios are really thoroughly, thoughtfully diversified. If you take away one or two or a group of options from that diversification, you are now having you know, a, an outcome that could be more volatile than it would otherwise be. So you have to be prepared for a couple of things in this space. And this is why maybe this space isn't for absolutely everybody. That you know, you could have a time when the overall market is up and you are down. You could have a time when the overall market is down and you're down more. You could also have times when the market is down and you're up. You know, you could be completely out of step. And being out of step isn't terrible, but it can be uncomfortable. Like you, you, you can be a little bit uncomfortable and maybe question. And then the problem becomes when you become uncomfortable, you start to make more changes, more decisions. And, you know, the, the math would tell us that doing, being that kind of investor causes a loss of capital because you tend to make changes when you're, when you're behind. And, you know, so every time you're behind, you make a change, you're locking in the fact you were behind that and you don't necessarily get to recover out of it. So, you know, while I'm a huge fan of the planet, I'm a huge fan of doing the right thing. I'm a huge fan of being ethical. And, you know, we, we're going to put this forward. You have to understand that it may not lead to as strong an investment experience as you would have in one of our regular portfolios. So, you know, we want to get radically transparent. We're not just going to say, hey, we have ethical investing. Give us all your money. We're very successful because we have lots of money. We want to be comfortable talking to you a year from now and two years from now and five years from now. I want to be able to sit down with you five years from now and say, you know what? This is exactly what we talked about could happen. And, you know, how does that make you feel? Do we need to make changes? I don't want to be sitting there five years from now going, I've got another idea. This new thing just came out. It's even better. You know, we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be the one that's like, you know, let's do Bitcoin. Let's do cannabis. Let's do you know, whatever. Because there's always the next thing. And too many people get caught up in that. This, for us, this isn't the next thing. This is a good thing that we're going to do well and it's going to have legs. And I will be perfectly happy to sit down with you five years from now and 10 years from now and talk about the experience because we have done our homework. We have done our friends' homework. We're the people in the group project that do all the work and our, everybody around us just steals from us. That's us. We're having fun with this. So, you know, it's not for everybody. And I don't want people to feel who don't invest in, in, in the ESG or the green space that they're somehow evil, that they're, they're, they're sponsoring you know, puppy mills. You know, that's not the case. The planet is moving in this direction for very, very good reasons. And there's a lot of money behind it, a lot of effort being put into it. But for those who want to take that extra step, who feel that they can give up a little bit of the strength of their portfolio in search of a higher cause, and, you know, with our help, do so in such a way that they can have reasonable financial expectations. We think we got there. We think we have it. At least I think we, we, we got there. Josh, do you, do, you, do you think we got there? We wouldn't be launching it if we both didn't really feel strongly about that, Colin. So, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think we're excited about it because you've been talking about this is the first time you've kind of been on the, the marketing focused side of of the business in your entire career is that right 
it's been so exhausting. You know, everybody got excited about marijuana investing, and I just couldn't get excited. So we ran webinars, and I went across Canada, did a roadshow, making fun of it. And, you know, but so many of these things have come and gone that we just have looked at it and said, oh, it's, no, but I wouldn't be happy sitting here five years from now talking about this as an investment. So, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. And, you know, and I apologize to those who've disappointed because, you know, we say, hey, let's talk about investing in marijuana. And a whole bunch of people run the room. Ooh, we're going to invest in marijuana. Are you giving us samples? No, <laughs> we're not going to. It's bad. And here's why. So, again, it's been exhausting. So, yeah, I'm more than excited. And I have no idea how to behave now. I've never been on the popular side of something. So I don't know what to do with my hands anymore. Yeah, well, that's why we hired somebody that to focus on our marketing because we don't know what to do with something like this when we're when we're at the forefront of of, uh, of a push. So we're super excited about it. We hope our 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 investors are super excited about it as well. And uh, like you said, we look forward to talking about this five, ten, twenty years down the road. It's a space that's going to continue evolve to evolve. So by no means are we done with this portfolio. Like with all of our investments, there's a constant review process, a constant looking, seeking for something that's better, that's that's uh, more improved, uh, better delivering on on the goals and objectives of not only the financial aspect of things, but also now the ethical side of things as well. Absolutely. It's exhausting, but it's the only way to do it. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate everything uh, that you shared with us today. Thanks, Josh. Good work. Take care, man. Visit us online at wlwp.ca. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth Inc. I Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. I Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which I Private Wealth Inc. operates. <laughs>